Welcome back to the UCM Veterans Voice, a podcast sponsored by the Military and Veterans Center at the University of Central Missouri. My name is Garrett Fuller, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Dewey Ball, Andy Shaw, and Kenny Wall. It has been quite a while since you last heard us. Our last episode was released on April 8th, and we recorded that episode on March 4th. As we all know, the coronavirus, or COVID-19, practically changed everything. In fact, the reason we didn't release any more episodes last semester was because of COVID-19, which closed down the studios that we normally record at. Since March, lots of changes have taken place. Uh, On March 16th, I believe, Uh, The university went uh, completely online, and then came the mask mandates and social distancing, the closing of restaurants and bars, and so many other things. So COVID-19 has had an impact on everyone, uh, including myself. Uh, So I was wondering, how has COVID-19 affected you all? And uh, starting with you, Dewey. Uh, Well, undoubtedly, it's changed things. Um, The world has changed. Everything's different. I mean... You can't go to the store or a restaurant or just outside in, and outside in your local community and, and not see people wearing face masks and just things are different. So I guess I'll touch on uh, my own personal experience with it. So this, I think the COVID came down back in March, if that was, if I remember right, like middle of March. Yeah. At that time, there wasn't, I didn't think much of it. I didn't know what to think, to be honest. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be, uh, you know, a couple of few weeks of this was going to blow over or not. And here we are, what, four months later and four or five months later and still dealing with it. So at the end of June, co-worker was uh, identified as having COVID. So working at the university at the military and vet center, we were strongly encouraged to be tested ourselves. Um, so I did that. I called the, the VA and I went to the local clinic here in Warrensburg great people there. They got me in with a few day, within a few days, they got me in for the test. And if anybody out there has not been tested, it's, it's not quite as bad as some people might make it out to be, but it is a little unpleasant. They take a Q-tip that's about six, seven inches long, and they put it into each of your nostrils. It's got to stay in there for a few seconds at least, so they can get a, you know, a, a good sample. Um, like I said, it wasn't necessarily painful, but it was unpleasant. Um, I got my results back within a couple of days from the VA. They called me up and the, the young lady that gave me the news, she was joyful that I did not have it. I didn't share in her joy because I actually uh, wanted to get it and, and get this over with. From my point of view, I, I still feel like I'm young enough and healthy enough that I probably would be okay. So. So then my next question to them was, well, can we find out if I've ever had COVID and have maybe already gotten over it? And they said that would require an antibodies test, which is a blood work. So that was the next step. So they got me in the following week for that test and uh, drew my blood and all of that. And within about a week, I got the results that uh, I had not had COVID. And again, the, the person was joyful about, well, you know, luckily you've not had it and I, I was disappointed. So that's my own personal feeling on it. Like I said, I feel like I'm still uh, young and healthy that maybe it's better just to get this 
and be done with it because who knows how long this may last. Um, so that's my own, my own personal experience. Now with my family and friends, um, I have an aunt and an uncle that tested positive. They both live in assisted living or nursing homes. And thankfully they both recovered. So, but that's caused a lot of stress with my, especially my elder, elderly part of my family. They are way stressed out about this um, COVID. Uh, my mom in particular, um, my dad's okay with it. He doesn't, he lives in the country. He doesn't get out that much anyway. So it's really hasn't changed his lifestyle. He's just tired of watching stuff on the news. And, um, but that's required me to travel a lot. So I go to uh, Jeff City, Clinton and Joplin um, as much as I can and help out with what I can with them. So, but then that also causes stress again, because when I go to see my parents, you know, there's that potential risk or hazard that maybe I have contracted it and I don't know it. And then I'm bringing it to them because obviously, like I said, I'm traveling. So I live here, I'm exposed to uh, different things that they're not gonna be exposed to there. So the whole thing is really, in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like it. I'll put it that way. And I'm sure you guys probably same for you. I've never seen anything that has changed the world so rapidly as this, you know, that just took over not only in the United States, everywhere, you know, you name it, in China and Europe and all of it. And so um, I don't know what to think about it. I'm not a medical expert, but I do know that I personally don't, I'm not a big fan of a, huge change like this and I'm sure it's stressed out a lot of people so um, yeah that's my two cents on it I don't I don't know I hope we get something figured out and I hope there's a silver lining maybe somewhere that some good will come out of this so I think everybody is kind of uh, feeling uh, the stress from all the changes uh, I mean both here at the university and we'll talk a little bit about that later uh, but also just in general, like having to wear a mask when you go out or socially distance and all that. I mean, there are some times where if I leave my room and I'm like, I, I forgot my mask. Where, uh, thankfully, I've never left the building, but it's difficult. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, sometimes uh, weird just to think just a year ago, we didn't have to wear these, you know, and it's sometimes I uh, am just like, I wish we could go back to that time and uh, hopefully pretty soon uh, things will improve to the point where we can safely go back to that uh, point in time because uh, also a lot of people live in fear and I'll talk about that later, but what has uh, been your experience, Andy? It's uh, a lot, a lot more staying home. Uh, especially now that school has started back up, I'm used to going out and being somewhere for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day and then coming home. But instead you're just stayed at home for the entire day, unless you go grocery shopping or something. But like you guys said, even then you got to wear a mask. So, but I honestly think people are making it a bigger deal than it is. Cause I mean, I've traveled, I traveled over the summer multiple times, um, we had a family reunion. Uh, it's usually about 300 people. It uh, was only about 50 this year, but I mean, still 50 people came. And uh, I mean, no one's 
no one has been worried about catching it. Um, the The only people that I really know um, that caught it was uh, my uh, cousin uh, had her 21st birthday and wanted to go up to KCPNL. They had, you know, just been like, "Oh yeah, it's we're all we're on the downswing. It's starting to go away." So like, all right, cool. We'll we'll go out have a good time at the bars with um with uh, my aunt and other cousins, and they all ended up contracting it. But other than that, I mean, they said it wasn't all that bad. It was like a a a flu, if even that bad. So I mean, yeah. Other than like the whole staying home thing, it hasn't really affected that much when was that when did they contract it was that That was like uh like a week ago okay so it 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 was like two weeks ago okay so not that long ago it wasn't like the uh early part okay and what about you kenny what has kind of been your experience with it uh kind of along the same lines as andy um I was staying home a lot more than I I normally would have. Um, I mean, at some point that that began to take a toll on me, and I just I had to get out of the house. Uh, so, about the only thing that you could do was like go camping, and so I just found like some some primitive areas on conservation land, and and went camping with my wife and uh went kayaking and and stuff like that just to stop staring at the same four walls uh because like we uh we didn't go back to school uh after spring break and then i did summer classes so i mean there was like a solid two and a half months where i just like sat in the same spot working on the computer every day and and that just took a toll on me Um, and then not too long ago um, I went to New Mexico to to see one of my friends Um, and it's it's different to see you know like you get used to the norm here and the way people start feeling about it and it's almost like a 50 50 split here on on mask and uh, half people think that we should wear them and and the other half are not really into it uh in new mexico like everybody's just pretty cool with it and and they're just ready to get be done with it and nobody complains about it so it was just kind of different to see how you know, another state is handling it. Um, but all in all, I'm just, I'm kind of ready for, for things to go back to as normal as they can after this. Uh, have you known anyone uh, that got the virus or? Um, just just the, the one person working in the, the mill vet center. Aside from that, uh, I haven't had any family or or close friends or anything that's had it. Yeah. Uh, have you been tested? I haven't. Um, 
my wife is a nurse, so anytime that they have a patient come in and they test positive and they had, you know, uh, ruined them or whatever, they have to get tested. So she's been tested about six times now uh, and hasn't had it. That's good. feel sorry for her having that Q-tip shoved in her nose six oh, times. Yes, definitely. Yeah, she's, she said, you know, at this point, you think you'd get used to it, but you don't. Uh -oh. <laughs> I didn't know they could go that far back in your nostrils. I mean, it felt yeah. like they were poking my brain. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of brain there, but they found it. We're <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll share my experience. I mean, I can remember uh, kind of how I was talking, you know, in the intro about like how we went online and everything. I can remember early March, we were, I went on a trip with one of my jobs and uh, I heard a conversation about COVID and I saw it on the news and I knew it was a big deal in China and I was kind of you know I heard it had spread to the United States by that point this is actually now that I think of it is probably more like uh it might have been early March I don't remember exactly when uh but I remember thinking oh this isn't going to be a huge I, I mean it's going to be a thing but it's not going to be a huge thing that's going to like take over and change all these things and boy was I wrong <laughs> because uh, just I mean if it was early March it wasn't too long thereafter that uh, the university went online I lost both of my jobs uh, at the time as a result of that uh, so that was great um, and I mean but I stayed on campus uh, because uh, I live in an apart on-campus apartment and I stayed on campus throughout May and I basically pr I probably spent uh, mo I, I spent most of my time in my room uh, only time I would get out is if I had to go to the store um, I ordered uh, delivery quite a bit which was nice that a lot of restaurants around here were kind of uh, doing that uh, and then whenever I went back home, uh, more of the same is just staying at home. Uh, though there were more restaurants that were open back in Jeff City, so uh, I went out to eat a little bit more, uh, taking every precaution, obviously wearing my masks, uh, you know, wearing my mask as much as possible, all of that. Um, uh, my cousin tested positive, or a distant cousin, I should say, tested positive, I think it was back in May. And her whole, I mean, basically her whole part of the family, they lived down in Kentucky. Uh, they were really bad. Uh, it hit them uh, to the point where they were admitted to the ICU and they spent about, they spent a couple weeks in the ICU uh, it got pretty serious uh, there for a while. So outside of that, I haven't really known any cousins uh, or any other family members or friends who have gotten the virus. Uh, well, I have, I have a friend who actually did the antibody test and it actually came back that he had it. Uh, 
and that uh, he said he uh, whenever he likely had it, it was like back in January or February. It was like very very early. Uh, he said he probably got it at like a Chiefs game that he went to, and so it would have been January and or there uh, around there. In July, I uh, I got tested for it, so I can uh, I can uh, empathize with the uh, Q-tip. Um, in uh, Jeff City, they were having a uh, drive-through testing event, uh, so you just stayed in your car and you'd pull your car up. It is ran by the National Guard, and yeah, that was not a very fun or pleasant uh, experience having them jam a Q-tip up your nose. Um, when you're sitting in the driver's seat of your car and there's like at least 20 or 30 cars behind you waiting to get the same thing done. <laughs> um, How are you supposed to drive home after that? Like, <laughs> I'd be like crying. I don't know about you guys, but it's water's that sounds fun. Really yeah, right? They, they did, you know. I mean, I can feel it all the way home. I mean, it stung for maybe an hour or two afterwards. <laughs> and then uh, whenever I was on my way back to school, I got sick. And I thought I had, I, I was, I thought, oh God, I had the virus. This is not good. Because I had all the symptoms, I mean, or not all the symptoms, but I had like a majority of the symptoms. Turns out it was something completely else. Uh, I didn't get tested uh, because uh, the people here and the people uh, there, or the, the, I should say the people at the health center referred me to people uh, down in Jeff City and they told me that mm, it's something else that was going around and sure enough i mean uh, i found out after i contacted them like half the city was like with this stomach bug that was going around so but that was about the closest call and i mean i can say whenever i thought i had the virus i was freaking out because uh whenever i'm in jeff city i live with my father who has uh, heart conditions he has other health issues uh, and there's also a lot of people in my family have similar health problems, and I was just so afraid that I might put them at risk. Um, but thankfully, I didn't. Ha uh, it came back, and it was just something completely uh, different. Uh, but I can uh, I can definitely vouch for like the mental uh, uh, toll that not only thinking you have the virus or if you do get the virus uh i can vouch for the mental toll that could take but not only that uh also just the mental toll of all these changes and uh all of that so with that um as we as all of us know i mean ever since covid hit uh we've been transitioning mostly to online and hybrid classes becoming the norm and I mean, I know a lot of people are struggling with that transition. Um, you know, most of my classes, uh, I have one in-person class, uh, one that's, some, uh, that's more of a hybrid, one that was already online, and then one that's 
that was supposed to be in person but is now uh, online and through Zoom. And that class, I have like 100 people, uh, 100 people in uh, one Zoom class. So how have you all found ways to kind of cope with this transition? Um, I'm actually pretty good at being a homebody. Like I like my, my uh, solitude. So I just have been doing a little more around my apartment. Um, not necessarily like straight out renovation, but you know, just a little more cleaning, painting, things like that. Um, I'd really like to get to the gym more, but my experience with the gym is that's, I don't like the mask and I don't like, I don't know. I, yeah, I think that's partly me just trying to find a reason to not go to the gym, even though I know, know that I should be going. Um, but I guess my, my big thing that's helped me is just to stay busy with things. I kind of create little projects when I have time. Um, cause I'm here more than like everybody else has already said, we're, we're home more than we usually are. So maybe you notice things more around the house. Like we had a, a really hard rain about a month ago and um, I'm in the basement part of this building and it was the first time I saw some water come through. So I've already been talking to the landlord about what we can do. And, you know, maybe this is something I wouldn't have worried about before, but, you know, I feel like I'm going to, I'd like to be involved because this is where I'm living right now. So I guess projects around the house have kind of helped me cope things like that. I read a little bit more. I actually have been reading a couple of books just for enjoyment. I haven't done that in a long time with uh, school and work and all of that. You just don't have the time. So I don't, I have more time. It feels like maybe now when I am at home. Um, so yeah. And I've watched a whole lot of YouTube <laughs> and I enjoy the comments on YouTube because I see them all the time. Like who's here because of COVID, you know, as you see it over and over and over watching the strangest stuff uh, that I probably never would have found before, but you get into that YouTube dive and before you know it, one or two hours I went by and I'm watching, you know, some, I don't know, Chinese clown training the monkey to play, you know, it's like, how did I get here, man? <laughs> and then I look in the comments and like the same things going on there. Like, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. COVID 2020. Yay. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of my, my input on that. How about you, Andy? I know Dewey knows this, um, but I don't know if uh, you or Kenny know uh, that I uh, bought a house near the start of COVID. Um, so that, that ask has it, been like, is this your house uh, in the background are you at your yeah, house now? yeah this yeah. is uh right. yes the the house that i own i guess still fun to think about but uh <laughs> so we spent like a couple weeks uh renovating before we even moved in and then ever since then it's been all right i gotta get home so i can work on this or i gotta mow the lawn all this there's endless amounts of things to do and I just procrastinate all of those and play video games instead <laughs> a lot of the time. Uh, but yeah, basically what Dewey said, just, I mean, the house is keeping me pretty busy, but uh, I mean, I still got to find things to like, I'll, 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 I've been getting bored of video games, which has never happened to me before. So uh, to that, yeah, I've been too. just finding hobbies. Yeah. 
just finding finding hobbies and picking up little projects where I can uh, just to kind of keep myself and my mind busy so I don't focus on the fact that I'm literally just in a, in the in the house for you know a whole 48 hours at a time and what about uh and i know uh kenny you said uh you went and did a little bit of camping uh over the summer so uh how did that go i've i've basically just been doing a lot of stuff around the house like dewey um i'm pretty cool with with being by myself uh, as well um but just sitting still is, is kind of hard for me. Uh, so that's why I had to kind of get out and do something different. Um, I mean, I've, I like took it to the extreme where like everything is like OCD organized, like every drawer and just because I had nothing else to do. So, uh, I mean, like, closets are color-coordinated, and I was just trying to find something to keep me busy. Um, and, you know, my my wife would come home and be like, this is this is ridiculous. Like, well, you know, like, I'm sitting at home bored out of my mind, just, just trying to stay busy to where it, like, didn't keep weighing on my mind that, like, you're stuck at home. Um so I finally, you know, got out. Um, they opened up the the parks and stuff again. Uh, so with that camping, uh, you know, me and Andy had had two trips planned uh, this year uh, out to the Appalachian Trail and then out to Colorado to do some some trail work uh, with veterans. So that got canceled and. So I figured I'd just go have my own little adventure by myself and uh, doing some kayaking and, and fishing and stuff like that, you know, stuff you can get out of the house and, and still not have to be around anybody. Uh, I also like taught myself how to, how to do leather working. Uh, so I've like made everything I could possibly make at that point, belts and wallets and axe sheaths and gun holsters and all kinds of stuff so i mean there, there's a little that's a little bit of a silver lining is I, I taught myself something new and i have some useful stuff out of it you should uh, are you selling any of it <laughs> um i did make a, a few things for some friends and uh trying to recoup a little bit of the cost that I, I put into it. Uh, that, that stimulus check helped, uh, help fuel that new hobby. I think that stimulus check helped uh, a lot of us like, uh, do things that we normally don't have money for, uh, hobbies and stuff like that. So put it to good use. Uh, so I guess it's my turn, uh, to, talk about what I've been doing to cope. Uh, so I've just been using this time to kind of sit back, 
uh, or well, most of it I've spent, you know, just kind of sitting back and relaxing uh, over the summer. Obviously, things ever since last month have started to kick up because of uh, coming back to university, having uh, in-person classes once again, uh, and stuff like that. Um, but oh, uh, but yeah, uh, I kind of like uh, Andy have been playing a lot of video games and uh, watching YouTube, kind of like Dewey. I found myself falling down YouTube rabbit holes all the time, it seems like. Uh, I also got out and did a lot of uh, cycling over the summer. I think this year, how many uh, I have it? Uh, I'm looking up how many uh, miles I've ridden this year. It's quite a bit, at least more than I would think. Uh, this year I've ridden 230 miles uh, and quite a few of those were over the summer. Normally I don't ride my bike in the summer after I move back to Jeff City just because it's such a nightmare. Um, but I got mm, about, I think it was about 70-ish miles that I rode over the summer. But yeah, for me it's just like relaxing uh, playing video games, watching movies uh, and TV shows, uh, falling down the U uh, YouTube rabbit hole, and uh, cycling and uh, doing some other things. <laughs> With that, uh, is there any any other things you all have done to kind of cope with uh, COVID? Well, I've also watched a lot of movies on Netflix, and I'm like. I don't know your guys' experience with Netflix, if you have it or not, but I, um, I found a lot of gems that I never probably would have even watched before, and they've surprised me, and I've you know, enjoyed them. And then I'll sit down on Netflix and try to find something. Like I sit down that night, like I've got time, I'm excited, I'm like, okay, let's find something on Netflix. And then I spend an hour or two hours going through all these movies and shows and I watch a little, you know, the first five minutes and then, nah, that's not going to do it. Nah, that's not going to do it. So uh, do you guys have any recommendations of movies or shows? Maybe something that you watched that surprised you that maybe is not as well known. I, I found a, a few gems on Netflix that really surprised me that I'd never even heard of before. So, so what are recommendations? Oh. What are they? Uh, I don't have Netflix, but what uh, shows were you watching that you were the last one that i watched the, the last show on netflix that really really got me was called halt and catch fire it's a uh, it was an amc show never heard of it i'm um, actually i think i watched uh the reason it popped up on my recommendations because i watched the movie steve jobs the jobs with uh, uh fast as the actor which was pretty good i had seen the old yeah so have you seen Halt and Catch Fire, Garrett? Uh, I actually, so funny thing that you mentioned that because a couple of years ago, I was really into that and I actually bought um, all four seasons. I, I don't have Netflix and uh, it wasn't on Hulu or anything. So I actually had to pay for each season individually. Uh, I think is, <laughs> it was quite a bit of money and but it's a very good series. I loved it was, every it blew episode. Me away. It was excellent. 
the first season really sucked me in because that was like the 80s was my childhood. So I remember Atari, you know, coming out. Well, Atari was a little before me. Like my, I, my parents got that from my older brother, but I remember playing with it. And then Nintendo came out. That was like, you know, a big life event for me when I was whatever, six, seven, eight years old. And so that whole show going through that and, you know, making computer, all of that, it just took me back in a lot of ways. It was a lot of fun. And then the storytelling was good. The character development was really good. And I'm not a, I'm not like an aficionado on that stuff, but looking back, like I've recommended this show to all of my friends already. Like I'm even talking to people that I play video games with online. I'm like, you got to check this show out. It's great. Man. And for me, the first season was really good. The second season kind of lagged a little bit. I almost gave up on it in the second season, but the third, fourth season blew me away. Like I, I just watched the four seasons straight through. Once I started that first episode, yeah. however long it took, like eight hours, nine hours, I just sat there and watched it. Yeah. Got up, I'd make dinner and then come back. And yeah, it was great. It yeah. was really good. It, it was kind of weird because my dad, he's not really into computers uh, or video games or anything like that. And uh, one time I showed it to him and he, he got into it. So it's, it's just an excellent show. Uh, all the yeah, it was well written, well done, all yeah. of it. The the cultural references, the music, all of that. Like it, it was literally like I was in a watching that, like kind of in a time machine, giving like being given a, an overview of what was going on through the '80s and the '90s from that point of view with the technological revolution, computers, you know, video games, um, the internet, the creation of things that were coming. I'm actually hoping that they consider because they stop off in like the mid nineties. I'm like, I hope they will consider to do another se uh, episode a season because they could pick up on some other things that have taken place since then too. So, so the funny thing, fingers so, crossed. Yeah. So the funny thing that you mentioned that too is uh, the last summer I was uh, taking a summer class and one of the projects we had to like write a script based off like a TV show or something. I actually chose that and I picked off, uh, I forgot where, I had the script, uh, I think over on my other computer, um, but I picked it and it was like a pilot episode for like a fifth season, how I mm. would. So yeah, I really do hope they bring that back because it was an excellent show. Uh, what other yeah. recommendations uh, did you have? Another or, good show that I, that I found on Netflix was called Turn. T-U-R-N. It's about the spies during the uh, Revolutionary War. Uh, it's called, it's Turn, colon, Washington Spies. So it was kind of uh, George Washington's network of uh, spies because when the war started, the, the British already had most of the, the East Coast and the Northeast. So a lot of Americans were living under being occupied by the British. But of course, um, you had some that sympathized with the British, but then there were some uh, that sympathized with the American cause. So that's another good show. Uh, historically, I think they, they based it on what they knew. So I always like those types of, of shows too that deal with real, real events that took place. So I recommend that if anybody's a history buff. Um, and again, it's a good storytelling, good character development. And then, like I said, it's based on uh, real events. So I would recommend that one too. Um, and then movie wise, there's a new one coming on Netflix, I think either yesterday or today, and it's called the devil always. If anybody's seen the preview for that, um, it looks pretty good. 
so that's what I plan on. Uh, going to watch that with some friends tomorrow. So, so yeah, you have, Netflix. You yeah. free plugs, Netflix. <laughs> uh, what about you, uh, Andy or Kenny? Do you all have any uh, TV shows or movies that you all got into over uh, the summer or during this whole time? Um, I've, I've binge watched all of Yellowstone in like a week and a half. Um, you know, everybody, I hate to jump on the bandwagon when everyone's like, oh, you gotta watch this show. It's like all the more reason for me not to watch it. Um, so I finally was just to the point where I had watched like everything that even seemed appealing to me. And, uh, so after the first episode, I was I was pretty hooked, and uh, so I bought all four seasons, and it's to the point now where I'm like I I don't want to wait another year to to see what happens, but <laughs> that's that's kind of the downfall to to binge watching TV shows. That's a good point, Kenny. I was thinking of that because I grew up, and I don't know, you know, I think of this it's. As you get older, you sometimes things take things for granted that that's how that's how it was for you. So that's how it must be for everyone else. But I remember the time when before the internet and you watched the TV show and you couldn't. There was no access to that TV show until the next episode came out the following week or whenever, or if it was a season when it ended, then you had to wait till the next year and they did they started the new season. And I've I've found, or at least I kind of think like for me anyway, maybe it's because that's what I was used to and, and raised with, is that it's better to watch maybe one or two episodes, wait for a couple of few days, watch another episode. I, I'm not a big fan of the binge watching, even though I just said I did it with the Hulk and Catch Fire, but that was so good. I, it was like a movie, like the last season was like a movie, but, but I do appreciate like watching an episode kind of, especially if it's a show you like, kind of letting that process, because um, you know, some things don't really hit you while you're watching the show, but maybe you think about it a day or two later. Oh, yeah, you know, you're kind of pondering this or that. And I don't know. I think there's something lost with the binge watching. When, a, when you sit down and, and people want to watch a whole season of a show, I think a lot of the maybe the more poignant parts of uh, an episode or something might get missed because you're just going right through each episode like, you know, like it's almost like work. Like you're just going right through it to get it done. I think you can miss some things with, with a well-made show anyway. Well, I, I think there's something to be said about the writing of a show now is that the show itself doesn't even have to be that good. It's the last three to five minutes of the show that, that <laughs> has to be good. You know, it just has to, man, like I, I got to know what happens. Yeah. And that's what gets people to, to keep watching it's not the you don't have to have a, a whole 30 minute episode that's dynamic and interesting and thought provoking it's just that last five minutes like damn now I, I gotta see what happens yeah. it could be that's the cool. most mind-numbing show ever and you're just like man so you hit play right into the next episode yeah that's a good I point i was just yeah, about to say that i wonder like, if the writer the, the cliffhanger Sorry, Andy, go ahead. It's one more reason why I hate this COVID shit. We got to use Zoom all the goddamn time. <laughs> but we can still cuss on this show, right? Yeah. Okay, just just little ones. But 
Uh, yeah, uh, I am impatient as fuck with that shit because it's it's always a cliffhanger, and every time I'm just like, no, give me more, give me more. Where's the where's the next season? And then I end up like looking it up online. Oh, season five, not to come until 2022. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Well, that's a good point you guys are making that I hadn't thought of before, but I wonder if writers today, you know, especially in the last five years or so with the, uh, with Netflix and Hulu and all of these different streaming services taking off, like if they, that's kind of altered their, the way they write, because I, I'm sure that they know they, they study our, our data and what we're watching and viewing habits and all of that, that a lot of people probably tend to watch episodes back to back to back instead of, you know, like I said earlier, when I was a kid, you had to wait till the next week to see that episode. And going back to that, the reason that I think I like that, because it was kind of an event. Like if your show came on Thursday night at seven o'clock, like you made plans to be there at seven o'clock with whoever else liked to watch the show with you. Um, maybe whatever it was, you had beer or you had food or you, it was kind of an event. Whereas the binge watching can be an event, but it just doesn't have the same, uh, I don't know, the same feel. So, but yeah, the cliffhanger stuff is, that's been around for a long time though too. So, but I wonder how they take this whole knowing that people binge watch that you're going to sit down and most likely watch shows. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Here's an, another one that I've watched as uh, it's uh, raised by wolves, which is on HBO. I don't have HBO, but they offered the first episode for free on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I watched the first episode. I'm already hooked. I, I want to watch it. Um, I'm going to do the trial with HBO, but I'm going to wait until they release all of the, the episodes and then do the one week trial and then I'll binge watch it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm sure I've already talked to a couple of friends. They said the same thing. We all watched it. It was really good. It looks like it's going to be a really good show, but like, yeah, I'm not going to order HBO just for that because I've already done HBO last year to watch uh, all of the Game of Thrones. I, I, that was a series that I like in Westworld on HBO is good too. So, so did yeah, you have Thursday night was Survivor night in my house growing up. So right. we would all just get dinner and then gather around the TV and watch Survivor. So I, I, I get what you're driving at with the, with the whole like making it an event thing. Yeah, I mean, we we actually kind of just did the same thing with uh, Kelly's Tough as Nails. Yeah. That's what I was just saying, and, uh, and, and we were just a... talking about that too. Like, how long has it been since you were like calling your friends? Hey, are you are you gonna watch tonight? Like, you know, and calling each other on the commercials. Like, it's it's been years. Yeah, and my background, you guys know, is psychology and sociology, and I've really gotten more into history as I get older, but. So just to kind of piggy tell on or piggyback on what we're talking about, for me, from my perspective, something that we are, are losing in the United States is a meta narrative. And a meta narrative meaning like a big sense of purpose for all, all citizens. Um, we're so divided now by politics and all of these other things that are going on. There's, there doesn't seem to be an overarching like the meta narrative, what's the big thing? And I think that something that TV and uh, shows did back in the past was brought people together. You know, you would watch things like Survivor. I remember uh, Survivor wasn't my big one, but we watched the, um, I, I wanna say America's Got Talent, but what was the one before that? American Idol. 
Idol. Yeah, American Idol. So yeah, American Idol uh, was a big one. I was watching it here. It was actually stationed at Whiteman and family and friends. We would all call and talk to each other about this. You know, oh, what do you think about so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And then I got sent to Korea, got orders to Korea, and it was still being shown over there. It was still a big event over there. So it was a, a bonding thing, you know, kind of a, a social thing again. Um, and it's kind of bad that that's what, you know, maybe that's the part of the meta narrative for Americans and kind of keeps us together. But I definitely think we're kind of losing it in a way because now you have access to so many shows and different things and everybody watches what they like. And, you know, I don't know, like I remember getting um, my mom to watch American Idol and she didn't like it at first, but then she got into it. And then the next thing I know, she had her sisters watching it. So my aunts were all watching it and it became, you know, pretty much everyone I knew was watching that show. And it was always something that you could talk about. You know, if you went to a, a family reunion or a dinner or a visit, you know, oh, what do you think about so-and-so? Uh, he should have been voted off already. Or, no, I love him. I can't believe they voted him off, you know? And even though it's small talk, it's still kind of a gateway for good conversation, which is another thing that I worry about in, in our current um, society and situation with the way things are going, like we're using Zoom here, which Zoom's, it's a convenience, but I hope this does not become the norm, that this is how people communicate. And I don't like, so I was taking a class this past semester and we had to end up on Zoom and I did not like it at all. I, I felt, I really was concerned about students coming in and this being the only way that they have access to their professors or, or whoever, you know, they're going through their instructors and it concerned me. There's something about being in the presence of another body and watching the body language and just the feel of it. Zoom's, Zoom is like your lay, it's another layer of artificialness on top of, of what could also be other things of artificiality. And that, that worries me. So there's my little, little spiel from a psychological, sociological point of view. And then there again, there could be silver linings to it. It does connect us. Um, oh, I guess we're actually lucky to have the technology because you could think also, what if this happened and we didn't have this technology, then what would we do? I think we would probably be more practical. I think that this technology actually allows us to do or allows certain people to take extreme measures when maybe they're not necessary. So, so there's that too. There's a lot to think about with the whole thing and I mean, and speaking of like the Zoom, I mean, obviously we're doing this on Zoom. My goal is maybe next semester we could possibly move back into the labs, uh, the studios. Um, that would be my goal because I, I hate Zoom. I can al already see uh, Andy hates Zoom. Uh, I think everybody hates Zoom at this point, uh, myself included, but. Uh, I will say Zoom is, uh, <laughs> from the quality and technological standpoint, I've had better luck with Zoom than Google Meets and all the others that I've done. Like, uh, I think some of them are really bad. <laughs> so, any other movies that you recommend? I, I don't think you guys would like the shit that I, I watch, because, <laughs> I mean, I... The last two shows I watched were Soul Eater and uh, Avatar. So, I both animes. I used I, to like anime. I just haven't been into it as much lately. The last one I really watched was ne uh, Evangelion, Neon Evangelion. Is that was 
Oh, Evangelion. It's an older yeah. one. But like I was exposed to, my first exposure was in the Air Force when I got stationed at my first base in uh, Idaho. There was a guy there that was way into anime. So he, he showed me Ninja Scroll and, you know, Akita and all of the classics. And I did. I was, Ninja Scroll really just sucked me in. It's like, oh, this is, this is really cool. Like, not what I expected. So I had a, a phase there that I went through for five, six years that I watched a lot. But here recently, I just haven't. So. Uh is that Avatar like the movie or Avatar the Last Airbender? Last Airbender. Okay. I saw Avatar the movie uh, a couple times. Uh, when I was in high school, I took a film appreciation class and we watched it. Uh, I've heard really good things about uh, Avatar the uh, Last Airbender uh, at one of my previous uh, places of work. Uh, a lot, uh, quite a few of my coworkers were really into that show and loved it. Uh, I remember it being on when I was a kid, but other than that, I haven't seen it very much. Oh, yeah, well, it won some, it won some prizes, but uh, the or awards or whatever. But uh, the the one show I would suggest, um, uh, if you haven't seen it already, is Black Mirror, just because it's all messed up and I love it. Yeah, dystopian future. It's kind of like what Star Trek used to be back in the 60s. Like they did really out there thinking outside of the box. And I think that Black Mirror should almost be required viewing, especially for college age people. Like this is what could happen if you don't pay attention. This is where we could go. And do you want to go there? So yeah, I like Black Mirror too. It's yeah. It's not easy to watch because it does. It doesn't. It's not a feel-good show. You don't come away from it like, yeah, yeah that's, that was great. <laughs> you come away from it thinking like, man, it's so great though. It's dark. Every new episode is an existential crisis. Yeah, it's awesome. But dealing with uh, things that we are dealing with, so that's the the beauty of it. It's like these things could really happen. Yeah, exactly. Not, it's like... maybe not every single thing, but they definitely there's some 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 things that could happen. So you. You need to be aware of that. Uh, definitely touching on a lot of modern issues. Um, I'm I'm very excited for whenever they come out with the COVID uh, episode, if that ever is a thing, that'd be neat. Uh, yeah, I hope they but, do that too. I'm I'm sorry to draw this out so long, but this semester I'm taking a film appreciation class, and one of the things I brought up at one point was just how realistic um, things often get viewed uh some people like them more than the feel good uh i guess you could say in like the sitcom world there's malcolm in the middle and then there's full house you know uh, malcolm in the middle and uh one that i've heard recently about is bojack horseman like not everything is perfect you know there's issues that we face in the real world and stuff whereas in like full house everything it's like a fantasy world almost and uh i've just always found it fascinating that people you know there's some people out there that really do like that realism because it reflects you know the actual world you you have somebody you can uh relate to you know you see something that you can relate to on tv whereas oh everything's you know more you know like disneyland <laughs> Okay. Uh, I think it's a lot like, uh, so like whenever you're in a bad mood and you listen to like sad music, 
to continue being in that sad mood. I think that's exactly what the shows are kind of doing for people. A self-fulfilling. I, I mean, that's that's what I used it for. A self-fulfilling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was going to touch on the Brady Bunch. Back in when the, if you guys are, are familiar with the show, the Brady Bunch, that was actually like a big deal because if you remember the the setup of that, it was two divorcees getting married with their children from a separate marriage coming together. But just like Garrett said, it was still a very uh, fantastical world. So the premise was kind of taboo at that time in the 70s to put something like that on primetime television. But the outcomes are always good. You know, it was always a, a, a good ending and a good moral lesson and everything worked out and it was all great. So I think the 80s started seeing people not want to paint that picture anymore so i think film and uh, tv and all of it ha- is a reflection of culture and it's a reflection of what's going on but it's also sometimes the culture tries to imitate what they see on tv even though that world is not what it is for 99 percent of the people that are watching it so i mean i'm tiger go ahead kenny you bringing tiger king into this kenny oh tiger king yeah i forgot <laughs> about that that's awesome that was a great show. So, in back to the ways we're coping with uh, COVID, I haven't broke my computer yet, so <laughs> so I, I guess I'm coping okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that Tiger King craze was uh, interesting. Yeah, I forgot about that. It, it was a craze, too. Like, my friends told me about it. I watched the preview on Netflix. I'm like, oh, yeah. I said, I'll be, I'll be at your house in about two hours. We're going to watch this. And we did. We watched it all. I saw. Oh, go ahead. No, I just was going to say it was crazy. It was definitely a, uh, an experience. Yeah. I saw a bunch of posts about it on uh, social media and I was, I, I, like I said, I don't have Netflix, so I couldn't watch it, but it sounded pretty interesting to put it the least. (laughs) Well, it was a great. That was a bandwagon. You you had to jump on, or you were gonna miss it. Yeah. So I guess in a way, it was kind of an event. You know, I was talking about this earlier, like how that's not around, but that was an event, and it was it drew so many different people in, and the the characters in that, and it was all true. I mean, it was all like you can't write that 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 kind of stuff that was taking place like was way beyond fiction, and it was like holy shit, this is, this really has taken place. These people really exist. This is really going on in the real world, like a case study in, in the craziest people, you know, and and all sides of it, like all of these, there was good and bad and all those people, which was to me was what was really the most uh, enticing part of that series. But it was also like the craziness of it. Like you just can't believe this is going on and, what was the woman? What was that woman? The first thing the American people have agreed on in a long time that <laughs> Carol Baskin killed her husband. <laughs> Carol Baskin, yes, that's the name. <laughs> oh, I saw T-shirts, man. If I see one again, I'm probably gonna buy it. But there was like, there's a picture of him on it, and then you know, that damn bitch Carol Baskin. Well, <laughs> oh, there's rap songs about it now. Oh man, yeah. A bit. I mean, there for a while, that was like all I saw on my Facebook 
uh, timeline was just people like posting stuff, you know, about the sh Tiger King and Carol Baskin. And all that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I like I said, I could ne I never watched it because I don't have Netflix. So did I miss out on something or? You should check it out if you ever have the opportunity. Absolutely. You, like I said, you cannot make this stuff up. These people, <laughs> and they're mind-blowing, mind-blowing. But it also takes you into a world of, you know, the whole thing with the tigers and the exotic animals. Kind of, there's a dark seedy side to that, of course, but it's also how, it, how people can wield that as power. Like, I can't remember the other character's name that came in and financially backed the Tiger King. But he more or less said, you know, it was the best way for him to get girls. He'd go to Las Vegas and have a, a tiger cub up in his room and then go meet girls down in the lobby and stuff like, hey, you want to go see my tiger? Of course they did. And like totally just used that as a, a method. Wow. And that, that's and what the, it was for him. So. All the celebrities that got name dropped in it. And... Yep. That's something I've been thinking about uh, lately, too, is like how we do have access to all of these stories. For example, last night, I guess I should have brought this up, but I, I was a little uh, hesitant, but I watched The Iron Lady, which is the story of Margaret Thatcher, and it was Meryl Streep. It's from like 2011. She won an Academy for it. Meryl Streep's a great actress. The movie was actually really good. Um, I didn't know much about Margaret Thatcher, but it was her story. Um, I liked it, but I was thinking after like how we have so much access to all of these stories, these human stories of all of these people, I don't think you could have done this 50 years ago. One person would not be able to digest all that information through books. There's no way. So like, let's say you wanted to learn about Margaret Thatcher. I'm not saying I'm an expert on her now, but I definitely have a, a good model in my head about, about that woman, where she came from, what she was about. I actually admire her. Um, but that's the, the point I'm trying to make is that we can get access to so much information about other people and, and things and events uh, at such a, of much faster rate than you could just 50 years ago when you would have had to sit down and read books or, uh, you know, access sources to find things out. Now you can just watch documentaries and movies and you have all this stuff. So. Well, the thing, the thing about like biopics like that, that, uh, I mean, uh, I'm not, I haven't seen that one, but uh, some, you know, some of them, you know, it's obviously Hollywood. Some of them actually do change the story quite a bit. And some people, right. Uh, you know, you brought up Steve Jobs, the uh, Michael Fassbender movie, and I've seen both of the Steve Jobs movies because uh, one of my hobbies is actually computing, and I've actually, uh, I love learning about the history of uh, computing, and uh, I've seen both the Kutcher and the Fassbender version, and both of them have quite a few inaccuracies about Steve Jobs' life, uh, you know, especially like uh, when they say he was fired from Apple. I mean, that really wasn't the case. I mean, and just like stuff like that, you know, uh, was not complete, you know, because obviously Hollywood, uh, they have to sell a film. And I mean, if you're just retelling somebody's life, I mean, that can get pretty boring. Uh, so, you know, sometimes they throw in different elements to kind of make it a lot more interesting you know, because even if it's not completely accurate. So I'm not, like I said, I haven't seen the Margaret Thatcher movie. Uh, 
I guess I'll have to add it to my list, my uh, super long list of movies I'll have to watch at some point in my life. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just know that biopics, like some people uh, see it and then they, they're like, oh, I'm an expert on that person now. But they don't realize that a lot of those biopics actually have, you know, inaccuracies in there and events that never really took place, but, or other events that were omitted uh, to make it more interesting. Yeah, I don't think you'll ever be able to, I mean, no one would be able to know, hell, I don't even, I couldn't, if I was to sit down and write my own history, there would be a lot of inaccuracies yeah. because the way I've created the memories of those events are going to be inaccurate. So, and it's all going to be taken from my point of view. Yeah. So I, I see what you're saying, but I also, I just want to kind of touch on that again, that for Margaret Thatcher, for example, like I remember her when I was a kid, she was the prime, the first lady prime minister of Britain. That was a big deal. And she was friends with Reagan. She helped end the cold war, you know, as far as I know, uh, but to actually see where she came from and that background, that's like, just gave me another, it broadened the picture of her. So I feel like I have a better uh, representation model of who that person was. I'll never know Margaret Thatcher or anything other than yeah. what I'm fed, but I definitely, and the, the reason I'm touching on this too is why I was thinking about, it. there's an older movie called Lawnmower Man, if anybody's familiar with that. It's another, it's an old sci-fi classic that I highly recommend. Um, but the, the basis of that movie was when virtual reality was taking place. It was like the mid or late eighties. And this, this researcher who's into AI and virtual reality says that he can make a genius of anybody. So he gets his lawnmower guy, who's a, a simple person, you know, like, you know, low IQ, simple guy. And he starts doing this rogue experiment with him and he puts him on virtual reality. And so, it, you know, back in the day, that's how they saw it. Like, so puts these things on, then this guy goes into this whole other world. Well, of course the movie plays out that he does make him a genius. And, and then way past that, this guy starts getting, powers of telekinesis and telepathy and all of that and it's this crazy kind of uh, world but the main point of that was that we were entering a world of where you could get so much information that you could teach even a monkey or some very low grade intelligence with this new technology of virtual reality that you you know he'd lock him into this chair and then put this headset on him and then it starts off with just like all of history and mathematics and just like the basic education and it's accelerated, but then it moves on way past it. And I kind of see the, the foreshadowing of that movie today. Like we do have access to so much and you're right, Garrett, that we can make incorrect models, but we still have access to it. We're digesting so much more information than what our parents did or our grandparents by far, you know, even if they were academics reading books and doing all that, there's no way you could get all this information and, the other thing I was thinking too, like watching YouTube videos with some of the brightest minds of today. Like imagine if you were friends with Albert Einstein or Isaac Newton back in the day, that would have been something. You'd have been around this type of person that was just thinking so differently. You can get that on YouTube. You can watch interviews with these, you know, physicists and mathematic, uh, mathematicians and blah, 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 all of these people that you're not normally going to have access to. So it's a, there is a silver lining there, but it's also, it's good and bad. And it, so yeah yeah <laughs> well with that said i think uh, it's time uh so before we go the ucm veterans voice is currently doing a survey to learn how we can make our podcast even better 
Uh, the link to the survey is on our social media accounts. Speaking of which, uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook at UCM Veterans Voice and follow us on Twitter at CM Veterans Voice. Uh, remember, no you on the uh, Twitter uh, handle. Thanks for listening to another episode of the UCM Veterans Voice. Have a wonderful day, and don't forget to tune back in for our next episode on Friday, October 2nd.